party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I'm joined once again by Megan Cross for a game of Sanctuary. Sanctuary is a game about a place of power, the people that call that place home, and the threat that ultimately befalls that location. The Sanctuary is a place of great power, a power that needs to be protected and kept from falling into the hands of those who may misuse it. A group of guardians will rise to protect it, but by the time their final fight against the threat is over, only one will remain. It is a GM-less experience designed to be played as a standalone game or as a prequel to Megan's other game, Sentinel, which you can hear on the show in episode 274, where we played a superhero version of Sentinel. And in fact, this episode, the game that we played this week, is a prequel to that story set in the same world with some of the same characters. It's a really cool and interesting experience that highlights what makes Sanctuary and Sentinel both such cool, interconnected gameplay experiences. Megan is currently running a Kickstarter for Zine Month, collecting both games into a standalone zine, which is now fully funded and raising money for stretch goals, including an audiobook by friend of the show, Angritano Saez. And you should absolutely back that Kickstarter and make some of these stretch goals a reality. Uh, these games are beautiful. They rip. I love them. I'm so happy with the game that we played. I cannot wait for you to get to hear it. You can learn more about Sanctuary and Sentinel and find a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. I am so very excited to be joined once again by Megan Cross. Megan, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me back. I am so thrilled. I'm excited about the game that we're going to be playing today. I'm excited about the story that we're going to be telling today. I am absolutely stoked. So why don't you take a moment at the top of the episode to let our lovely listeners at home know about anything you've got going on that you might want them to know about? Yeah, so the biggest thing right now, basically what has been all-encompassing in my life, is the Kickstarter campaign for my uh, combo zine of the game we are about to play, Sanctuary, and um, another game that we have played on Party of One, Sentinel. It is going to... It is a two-game zine uh, that is currently running on Kickstarter through the end of February, so that has kind of been the biggest thing I'm working on. I've got some other stuff that has not been announced yet, so keeping that under wraps, but uh, really this Kickstarter and finishing up Sanctuary has been the the, the all-encompassing uh, event of my life the past Your, your brain has been months. in the green zone. Yes, hundred percent. So, talk to us about Sanctuary. Give us the give us the high level pitch of the game that we're playing today. Yeah, so Sanctuary is a companion game to my game Sentinel. Uh, you could also call it a prequel uh, game because this is basically telling the story of the Sanctuary and the Guardians that will in all of the events that led up to the beginning of Sentinel. If You've played Sentinel, if you listen to the episode where Jeff and I played Sentinel, Sentinel is about a solo guardian protecting a place of power. Sanctuary is the game of everything before that. Um, and while they are meant to be played one into the other, they can both be played separately as completely standalone games. Uh, Sanctuary is about the creation of the sanctuary and the battle between the guardians and the threat that is um, trying to claim the sanctuary's power for, for itself. So it is a bit more active of a game than Sentinel. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have a little bit of a battle. 
I'm excited. I am very, very excited. Uh, I'm excited to have a big, ugly superhero battle. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but those are a thing that I like. This is a this oh. is a vibe and a genre that I'm excited about. Well, that's certainly news to me. <laughs> I am, I'm so stoked. This is going to be great. So um, we have a deck of cards in front of us. I've got a D6 in front of me. All right. And we are going to build a map of our sanctuary, and then we are going to put that sanctuary in danger. Absolutely. Yep. That's what. That's exactly what we're going to do. Um, so to start, I'm going to create a map um, with my cards, and I will... And then we will answer the prompts one at a time to figure out what our sanctuary is. So I'm going to do four and basically how I've set this up, because if we're we've talked about doing a cave system sanctuary. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've done is I put two cards horizontally next to each other, one card vertically above that, and then a card horizontally off that. So it's kind of like a zigzag Cave Got it. system. Got it. Cool. I like that. Um, so to start, so our first, the first card in our sanctuary is the six of diamonds. Um, so the six of diamonds is a place recently left vacant. What kind of place was this before it was left empty? What recent events caused it to be abandoned by those who once occupied it? And how does the sanctuary's power feel different here? So that's so, interesting as like the en the entrance to the sanctuary, is it? Yeah, I envision the thing that pops into my head and to to give a, a 30 second, you know, backstory of like the, the details that we threw out last time mm -hmm. to pull on the so to give us some extra threads to pull on. We had said that the the the, the story of our Sentinel game was the last of was the last remnant of like a great and powerful superhero team that were a robot guardian mm -hmm. watching over this sort of cave canyon valley fortress. This is deep cave system. Uh, the second to last member of this team, because uh, spoiler alert, there was a scientist hiding in the walls <laughs> that was just kind of had fucked off. Um, <laughs> But like we had said that it was it was this cave system that was watched over and it was formerly the base of like the great the world's great and powerful superhero team. And so with that context, if this place was empty also before the before the this was the sanctuary before this was our, our superhero fortress that says to me that this was perhaps either. A, a a a reclaimed or a like taken over supervillain base or like some sort Ooh. of otherworldly inhabitants. There was some sort of otherworldly inhabitant here, whether alien alien ant people or like a demon or like some kind of uh some kind of you know entity like underground entity. And after they were defeated, it was left vacant until the hero team settled here as a place where they could do business in private. Yeah, now I'm now I'm picturing some kind of mole themed supervillain. But like but like um like the the B tier Batman villain, so it's like Mole Man. So Mole Man's not very like super scary, but they had a really cool lair. And when the superhero team defeated Mole Man, they kind of saw a lot of potential 
in this system I, of tunnels. <laughs> I, I do need to call out that Mole Man is a very real supervillain. Oh. And also, like, the fact that you stumbled into the very real Fantastic Four villain, the Mole Man, is like a character <laughs> that is not especially scary, but is visually cool and has a variety of weird underground fortresses, is the greatest thing that has happened to me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, then... Let's see. What is legally distinct mole man? Of course, my mind goes, ah, oh, holy moly. Holy moly is very good. <laughs> I, I holy moly the god holy moly the god of the underworld is very good. Ooh, yes. Especially because like what that tells that what that says to me is like a lot of times when a character in comics is the god of X, it is very um it is very, like, regal. It's very Prince mm -hmm. Namor. It's very Thor. If this is, like, the god of the underground, but in a very, like, kind of, like, capitalist way, oh, like, they god. were trying to, like, market themselves. Like, what, like, so, so what I envision from Holy Moly, you've, you've, you've given me this name and now, like, <laughs> the, the image has popped fully into my head. Yes, good. Um, this is, um, an ex-industrial, this is an industrialist supervillain who formed an underground community, like an underground, like, bunker city mm -hmm. with the goal of, like, basically, like, um, like a Walt Disney Epcot scenario, like, this is gonna be the future city, and with the, um... The implication that the world was going to be wiped out in, like, some sort of atomic conflict back in the 60s. That's I was going to say, is this, like, a doomsday prepper situation? And, like, built this city. No one, uh, like, no one, like, it didn't take off in part because the doomsday didn't happen and instead mm -hmm. decided to make the doomsday himself through a series of plots. Like, why, like, basically the, um... You know, in the Superman movie, like Lex Luthor has the the entire plot to like b like launch nuclear bombs to sink California so that he can have a real estate scam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's that kind of vibe. It's like I am going right. to trigger the apocalypse to force people to come to my my underground condo. <laughs> I mean, God, that just that feels very late stage capitalism, and it, tr it does. And I hate it, but like I also love it as like. This place has been left abandoned. Yeah. It's like nobody wants your luxury underground cave condos. And like what that tells me about like the sanctuary's power and like the, the visuals of it, which is also something we didn't really talk about mm -hmm. last time. But I think like but now I get a very clear visual for it and it's uh, put the biggest smile on my face is like. Partially torn down 70s decor or like 60s, 70s. Oh, so like yes. on, a, on a cave wall, it's a cave wall that has like paisley wallpaper like <laughs> hanging off of it and like a disco ball hanging down in this oh cave God, complex. Yes. And just shag carpeting that's just matted with dirt and like just pressed down <laughs> in places. And like nothing and like the idea and like it, it says something about the the guardians, right? Because like I don't think they took this down. I think that they they let they didn't like if we're envisioning the space as it is currently laid out, mm -hmm. 
that means that the Guardians, when they moved in, like, didn't redecorate the space, which tells me that this isn't a space that they, like, this isn't a space that they made a home. Yeah, I feel like, especially since it's the first section of the caves, I feel like if they let it stay like that and then kind of built deeper into the cave system behind it so that if anyone were to stumble upon it, they would see all of this decrepit, abandoned condo accoutrement and then kind of not go any further. Oh, see, that's an interesting angle that I wasn't even considering. Because mm. I love and I love that idea, that idea, because like uh, that says to me that they did this, that they left this up to throw people off, which tells me that they don't want people either. They don't want people to know where they're meeting or they don't want people to know that they're meeting. Oh, both of those are are spicy. Both of those have some some heat to it. They've got mm-hmm. some red pepper flakes on those. Yeah. I think I'm going to leave that question unanswered for now of like whether it's that they don't want people to know that they're meeting or where they're meeting because those mm-hmm. are both good and I don't have a definitive. Yeah. I don't can... have one coming down. I don't I'm not coming down either way. So like <laughs> I think we could just leave that question in the air. Yeah, I th- I think that's good. Um and then uh the second part of the prompt is a question about the threat for us to answer. And that question is, why do they want the sanctuary's power? The I feel like the obvious answer is like they want what the superhero team has, but that feels kind of lackluster. Like, was there something that Holy Moly had like deeper in the caves that, I... made, that the superhero team like is also looking for or trying to... safely get rid of (laughs) something is stewing like i'm sitting with it that idea of like there was something else there and i'm thinking about the fact that this question is tied to this open this empty condo Mm -hmm. space well so if holy moly wanted to create an epcot-esque city underground in these caves like what would they power it with that's like, that's yeah like is the sanctuary's power like a literal power source that i like i really really like that and i especially because i like that 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 makes there's a there's this this trend this is jeff deep diving on comics history again <laughs> um get ready buckle up there's this trend in flash villains that i think is really funny where like half of the flash's rogues gallery is i was a scientist and I realized the best place to show off my so- my world-changing scientific enhancement was to dress like a magician and claim that I was from the future and rob a <laughs> bank. So, like, if this capitalist developer invented, like, a genuine world-changing power source, used it to build this, like, city of the future, and then proceeded to, like, hold the world ransom and said, like... Hey, give me uh hey, give me a billion dollars or I will blow up the world. Also, anybody that wants to be spared, come stay in my condos. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, I like that a lot. All and right. that also tells yeah. me that like holy moly at at holy moly was very open about like what was in these caves and like mm-hmm. what he had on hand, which makes the question of which makes the the idea that the superhero team is hiding here very, very interesting. Yeah, because you have to assume that they're 
people who I'm sure there are people who are like, yeah, there's no way that's true. Like you're yeah. full of it. There's no way you have something that can power a city underground. And then there are people who are like, well, holy moly is gone. So time to go root around in these caves and see if they were actually telling the truth. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's our first location in the sanctuary. Already off to a very interesting um, start. It, we've got a lot of interesting questions. Yeah. Um. So the next spot in the sanctuary, which is directly behind this abandoned space um, on the map, is a place used for gatherings. What makes this spot ideal for gatherings? What was the first gathering held here? How does the sanctuary's power change when people are gathered together? Now, I'm going to ask you a question immediately. All right. Because there's two varied – with the, 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 the idea of the guardians that we've got in our heads – there are two very distinct meetings of gatherings that it could be. And I want to know which of the two you are more interested in. Mm-hmm. Is this a place of gatherings for like official team meetings, like like fate of the world stuff? Or is this a social gathering spot? I knew that's what you're going to ask, which I thought would mean that I would be more prepared to answer it. Um, so my knee jerk reaction was that it was like a official business like conference room in the fortress of solitude type thing but i kind of like the idea of it being a social space like i don't that's resonating with me as like as this is a place that the the guardians can kind like they're always on alert but this is like a the one place where they can kind of exhale yeah. A little bit. Like, I think, oh, you know, you know what I think this place is? I think this is like Holy Moly's penthouse condo. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that this is like, it's still very, very nice. It's like well appointed with big plush couches and that kind of thing. Like, it's just like a nice place amongst a lot of broken down weathered stuff in this abandoned city so i think it's like the one kind of pristine space that they've found and that's why they've kind of taken it to be like a place where they can exist socially without being on like super high alert at all times i like that i really really like that i like i think that's i i like that a lot and i i think that's super interesting um and i envision like the decor changes right like that that visual sense of like walking through this cave system arriving and like seeing this like old matted old matted shag carpet in this like bad (laughs) 70s decor and then coming to like a space that has you know newer furniture and has been like cleaned up and has you know uh superhero costumes in glass cases (laughs) because every superhero casual gathering spot's got to have costumes in glass cases you have to um and like a space that is warm and inviting for this this group of heroes is very very compelling and it's Especially interesting with those questions that we just raised. Mm-hmm. And it almost says to me that, that they don't want people to know 
that they're that they're meeting because that ties into that idea of like we're always on alert. Mm. This is a space this is a space where we need to be able this is a space where we can shut down. I like that. I like that. I think it's it's a spot that's more fortified than others so they they trust that they can kind of unplug and just exist in this space. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that's really, really interesting. All right. Um, And then we have another question about the threat. Um, What makes them such a fierce enemy? What makes the threat such a fierce enemy? So... They're coming for this power source. Yeah, I think the my first thought was it makes them so like because it could be anyone. Like it's if the threat, as far as we've established them at this point, is those who are trying to find this alleged power source that Holy Moly claims to have invented and installed to run this underground city. That it's not all. It's not like, oh, well, all the people in the hoods in black masks are are them. Like, it could be anyone. And if, I, you're, a su- and if you're a superhero team wanting to protect people, it's hard when your enemy could be anybody. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that makes them a fierce enemy is that if this superhero team doesn't want anyone to know that they're here. Mm-hmm. That knowledge makes them, that knowledge in and of itself makes that, like, makes whoever knows that they're here dangerous. Yeah. Like, this sense of, like, I, like, like, once you have found this spot where these heroes are at their most vulnerable, like, that in and of itself is, like, that knowledge is, 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 is that knowledge is itself incredibly dangerous it's like i know where to hit like i know where to and where to hit you where it's going to hurt i know (laughs) where you are like and i'm going and it's like a sense of um it's that sense of like it's a it's it's almost it's almost blackmail at that point it's like i know where you're weakest if you if get out of my way and then you won't get hurt right like it's that sense of like like I know where you're at your weakest and you there's a thing here that I want. I'm not here to hurt you, but also you're not really in a spot to stop me if I want to take what I need. Yeah, and like and we can take the one place where you have found that you can relax and recoup and we will take that one peaceful place from you. That's uh that's fantastic. Oh, I like that a lot. All right. Um our next location is the seven of diamonds which is a place of quiet rest how has nature shaped this place differently than the rest of the sanctuary what has designated this as a place for quiet and rest what does the sanctuary's power do here to help facilitate calmness this is so fucking interesting like coming from the idea that this was just like a superhero base to all of these prompts giving such a different idea of like what this space is yeah. This rules. I'm super into it. <laughs> um, What if this is a hot spring? I was just about to say, what if this is a hot We're spring? We're on the same page. We're on the same yes. page. Perfect. Yeah, I, I'm envisioning 
like, because this is all underground, but I'm envisioning like a, um, I don't think caldera is the right word, but like a domed space that has yeah. like very high ceilings that has like kind of like a vent in the top that the hot air can escape from that lets like, if you're going like pure cinematic, it's like, lets like one beam of sunlight down into the space from this like natural vent in the ceiling. And it's just this big sprawling nature made jacuzzi. I like that. I really like that. And like the, the, that ties into, I think, I think that like, as opposed to some other sections of, uh, Holy Moly's underground, uh, underground cave complex, uh, this is a much more natural, like the, 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 everything else is very like carved out, right? Like everything Mm. else is like very built, very constructed. And this is very, this is a, this is like a natural forming spring cavern. And that is like, and, and, and I think that it's one of those things of like, maybe Holy Moly just didn't know that this was here, despite this being like uh, an incredibly appealing, like gorgeous thing. And they kind and the heroes that 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 stayed in the space just kind of found it, and like that is fascinating. Yeah, I like that because based on what we have established about Holy Moly, that if they had discovered this place, they would have done something to it. Yeah, like there would be just like a myriad of beach chairs and like all sorts of stuff to monetize this area but because it was untouched i think that's what also adds to like the the calmness of it is that it's just completely natural in a space that while built into a system of caves is very unnatural in almost every aspect yeah all right and then we have a question about the guardians how many guardians are there? I have an answer that immediately popped in my head, but I want to hear if you've got thoughts. Okay. Um, nothing strong. Um, the number that popped into my head was five. <laughs> oh, that's it. My, so my thought was exactly the opposite of that. I was like, when I, when I read it, when I read and visualized this spring in particular, like I envisioned a lot of, so, um, meeting in the middle, what I want to propose is like the original, you know, legally distinct from the justice league is like five powerful heroes came together, like, and found this space because they needed to meet, right? Like this was a space that they needed. It was very functional where like, we need a place that is private and secure so that we can have a meeting to discuss secret business and then they said they found this place realized they liked it and realized like how comfortable it actually was and started like made this into a hangout spot and into a space of comfort and now it is like at its most popular it was known by like dozens of costumed heroes from across the from across the cosmos like knew to come here as a place where it was safe and it was quiet and it was secluded so people just continue. So like there are five people that would call this place home, mm-hmm. but there are dozens that pass through and spend some time in the hot springs and relax and, uh, and, and unwind and, you know, share a drink, uh, and catch up with each other. And that is, 
uh, a great like that. That visual to me is beautiful. Yeah, I like I like that a lot because it's giving me big vibes of like the Avengers. There's six of them, but then it's like literally everybody they've ever interacted with is like an unofficial Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, you have this core team. But then anyone that they have encountered, it's kind of like a, hey, if you ever find yourself in the area, know that you can come here and it's safe and you can just take the cape off for a little while and relax. Yeah, that's fantastic. I like that a lot. All right. And our last location is the Ten of Diamonds, and that is a place to keep what is considered valuable safe. What makes this place an ideal spot for safeguarding valuables? What is the most valuable thing kept here? How does the sanctuary's power ensure what needs to be kept safe is protected? So this feels like it's got to be like the the reactor core, right? Mm. Yeah. This this feels like this this feels like such a perfect card to be like the thing that the threat is hunting after, like, mm-hmm. and it is it is secure because. Holy moly built it with a bunch of like laser grids and explosives and Spared devices. No expense. And it's all been like enhanced by, you know, the team themselves, like our science hero, who probably had a name, but I don't remember what it was. I'm gonna call him the professor and just go with that. Yep, that works. Uh like the professor probably built a bunch of like add-ons to that to like enhance the strength of it. Yeah, I and I almost like the idea of you have like this core team of heroes that calls this place home and each of them set up a safeguard, like using their powers or their skill set. Like each one contributed to the security of this, of the reactor. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like the professor did probably like the bulk of the heavy lifting, but then you could have like, Oh, the, electric superhero like created like a force field electric grid around it like and that kind of thing like each each hero lent their power to protecting this that's great that's really really great i love that a lot and i i i I, yeah i think that's great the other thing that i want to put in here and this is a direct callback to our last episode and this feels like a great place to to put it this is the one thing that I have, like, detailed notes on from our last <laughs> session. Um, what I've got is that we had said that there was a doomsday device, a planet cracker bomb that dug into the the, the, the crust of a right. planet and detonated. And the Guardians told the world that it was destroyed, but they held on to it so that nobody would find it. Oh, that's definitely in here. It feels like we have stumbled into the, the the exact origins of the planet cracker bomb and also where it's being held. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's definitely in here. Uh, I just wanted to put that there because I was like, hey, this rule. <laughs> no, yeah, that's oh, that's perfect. That, oh, all right. And then our last question um, is... Another one about the threat. We got almost all questions about the threat. It, 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 Believe it or not, it's half and half, depending on what cards you mm-hmm. pull. But um, what are they called by the Guardians, unless they're simply called the threat? And what do they call themselves? So I don't know if this would work 
for what they call themselves or what the Guardians called them, but the power hungry popped into my head. A power. I like that as what the, the Guardians call them. Actually, I think that's I, I so I've got a visual for like a threat group and that that visual based on that name and the idea of like the idea of like power pirates Ooh. like calling yeah. if you call your gang the power hungry and like the thing that we know that they're coming to this for is this reactor mm-hmm. something about the idea of like a gang that is stealing experimental power sources is interesting to me yeah I mean, they could all have the same name. Like, they could call themselves the Power Hungry, and the Guardians could call them that too. Yeah, that feels that feels yeah. good. Like they, because that feels very super villain, right? Like you oh, let yeah. everybody know what your name is. Yeah, you see them like writing up like their manifestos. <laughs> Be like, we are the Power Hungry. I I've got and I so I I the 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 vi the thing I want to throw out mm-hmm. is that the Power Hungry. Is very specifically like a league of a league of evil super scientists that like they see themselves that they see their 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 mission is, you know, we are is like maybe they are the they are the henchmen of like a a, either one super scientist or like a team of super scientists (laughs) and their job is they are like a group of like mechanically enhanced piratey you know tech raider-esque weirdos who come in and steal like experimental power sources for this team of scientists to build their nefarious plans oh i like that a lot like maybe it's yeah you have like mechanically enhanced humans and then maybe there's also some fully robotic like so you have like some androids or something and then you have like more Somebody's wearing an alien suit. Somebody's wearing the the the, the power lifter suit from Alien. Yeah. Just a big mech exoskeleton. And, and their thing is like, that they grab shit. Yeah. And you have like the person who's got like the weird cybernetic eye piece like grafted to their face. Like it's all they're upgraded. I think that's great. I uh, gotta have a gotta have a guy with robot whip arms or robot whips coming out of the arms, some omega red shit. Gotta have some gotta oh, have yep, weird okay. robot yep. robot robot whip arms. It's just as a you can't have like a weird tech scavenger team without a guy with ro- electric robot whip arms. I I am in complete agreement with you. Got it's just it's just it's just it's gotta be there. And then I will also um offer up a. Guy that has rocket skates instead of feet. Oh, absolutely, rocket skates. Uh, rocket skates is um, rocket skates name is Blade Runner. Oh it's my god! One word for Perfect. copyright purposes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they just eliminated that space, makes it legally distinct. Uh, they were created in like the peak of the late '80s to capitalize on the roller skating craze or on the rollerblading <laughs> craze, and they've just been kind of put places ever since then. They are just peak. Uh, this character was this character is kind of a, a cash in that we've just kind of thrown places periodically. That's yep, I love that. Oh my, God. all right. Well, so that's our sanctuary. Um, I I love. Coming from the last episode, like what happened, like the 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 space that we that was the last episode, mm-hmm. 
I love how I love how much we've learned about what this space was and how different it was than what I I, I assumed it was coming yeah. into this episode. Yeah, me too. And it's funny because like these games go together. Obviously, I designed them to go together, but in my mind, it's always like, yeah, you would play Sanctuary first, and then you would play Sentinel. But now I'm like, it works either way. Like it's also very cool to play Sentinel and then go back. Yeah. Like, that's very cool. All right. Well, we have our sanctuary, so now let's um mess it up. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Um, so the way that the battle for the sanctuary works is working on our map that we have created. Um, I will... I have a deck of cards made up of the spades and the hearts that I have shuffled together, and we will select a location on our map. So we have the... <laughs> decrepit condos we have holy moly's penthouse we have the hot springs and then we have the reactor core so we will choose a location i will flip a card onto that location and then read the prompt which will determine what is what confrontation is happening in that area and then we will roll to see if the guardians are successful or not um so to start, where do you where would you like our first confrontation to be? I think our I don't want it to be in the vacant space. I think that because I think that the what is compelling to me is for this fight to like explode in a place that was not the 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 opening. Mm. I'm gonna put it in the in the hot springs, and I think that what we see, like how the fight breaks out, is something emerges from the the water like the underwater or the underground river that form that that bubbles out and erupts into the hot spring like a like a ship or something compare carrying the power hungry like explodes out of the water and like it is the we see it maybe we get maybe the the the, in, the opening is like we follow it through a we follow like through like it's almost um it's a little bit of a heist sequence. It's kind of shades of the Justice League episode that's a Suicide Squad episode where they like you watch them infiltrate the uh you yeah. watch them infiltrate the the Justice League watchtower. Like we see that and we see like them identify where the spring is and kind of get notes that they've been tracking that heroes have been coming here and spending time here and like we see that we see all of this come together. We watch a ship float through we watch a uh, a ship float through the water underground and explode out of this hot spring and a bunch of these tech bandits come flying out uh yeah. ready to throw down i say this prompt is actually so perfect for that this is very serendipitous all right so our prompt for that is um it has been quiet for nearly a week and whether intentional or not some guardians begin to relax in a sense of security hoping that perhaps the threat is finally gone for good. Later that night, however, the threat descends upon the sanctuary, having completely evaded the vigilant eyes of the Guardians patrolling. Caught off guard, the Guardians have to leap into action to fend off the attack, not knowing how the threat managed to infiltrate the sanctuary without notice. Um, so now we will roll All the right. D6 to see if we are successful or not. So anything that's not a one or a two is a success. And a one or a two is a failure. That is a six. All right. So on a success. So though taken by surprise, the guardians are able to regroup quickly and find their footing against the threat, driving them out of the sanctuary. 
The search immediately begins to find out how the threat entered the sanctuary unnoticed. It takes hours of searching before it is found, a hidden entry in and out of the sanctuary. Some argue that it needs to be sealed so the threat cannot use it again, while others argue it could be useful to leave it open. And in the end, it is put to a vote. So our questions that we can answer is how is it hidden? Where does it lead? And is it sealed or kept open? So, yeah, so we kind of already answered that it's in the springs. Yeah, it's like the underwater, like the the underground rivers of the spring itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that, like, it really is just something they never considered, right? Like, yeah. you know, you never stop and really think about the fact that that water has to come from somewhere. And, like, they'd been living in the space of comfort and then went, oh, yeah, I guess if somebody figures out that we're here, they can just kind of swim right up. Is there is there an aquatic hero that kind of, like, goes and scopes it out afterwards, like, swims around to figure out... Like, where the point of entry is. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that a lot. And, like, they come out just, like, out in the open, like, out in the desert. They just come out and, like, emerge. And they're just like, oh, oh, no. Like, anybody <laughs> anybody who happens to, to swim down this, swim down this, happens to, like, follow the, the these waterways would eventually get right to us. Yeah, like, they're, they're just here. <laughs> So do they seal it or keep it open? See, like, I'm torn because this is like, it it really is a double-edged sword. It's like, do do they want to ensure that the sanctuary is perfectly secure or like at the risk of losing their, their place of quiet and relaxation? Or do they prioritize having that safe having that like calm space over the potential for a threat yeah that's so it and like what is the and like i think that there's also the part of the debate that is like the impact on the natural environment if they choose to seal this up right Mm -hmm. like there's the idea that like we would be literally just be sealing up like a waterway like that's not a natural thing yeah, like it would have to be you like make a rock slide or something to like collapse the tunnel. Um, I have a proposal for how they address it. Okay. Uh, you could probably hear in my voice uh, the level of joy that I'm bringing to this suggestion. <laughs> what if they curse the waterway? Oh. Like... Like, not necessarily the water itself, because that water is going to go elsewhere, but, like, mm-hmm. what if they in- entrust, like, a supernat- one of, like a supernatural hero, like a wizard hero or something, to, like, put a curse on the tunnels that come here that, like, if you are a person in- if you are a person entering these tunnels, you are eventually just floated- like, you- 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 you just are compelled to, like, float by. Oh, I like that. Just some illusory, don't, don't mess with it. Like, you don't want this, just keep on going. Yeah, like, oh, and that, like, that, I love, that I think is the angle of the magic is like, you just feel such a profound unease when you are in these tunnels. It is, Mm. uh, every moment in these tunnels is equivalent to that, uh, that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory riverboat sequence. 
It's oh, just that yep. the whole time you're in the tunnel so that you just are compelled to turn around and flee. God, that's so awful. Yes, I love that. Thank you, uh, legally distinct Mr. Mysterio or Dr. Strange. Yeah, they were just like, well, this is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what we're doing. I think that's dope. That's fantastic. So where are we where are we fighting next? Where are we where are we fighting next? Um All right. Let me see here. I think I think I want to take the fight to the entrance, the entryway. Okay. Yeah, that feels good. That feels good. Like the initial the initial assault through the through the through the waterway didn't work. So now so I think that we see the power hungry attempt a frontal yeah. attack like they they because they also figured out that the heroes were here right like the idea mm-hmm. was that they were just going to come through the water snatch the snatch the reactor and go and then suddenly there was a whole squad of heroes and now suddenly uh oh this is a hero base well then we're going to either attack them or expose them in short order mm-hmm. yeah so our our prompt for this confrontation is Um, It is early when a lone figure approaches, unarmed and hands raised above their head. The Guardians immediately take a defensive stance against them, knowing that the threat moves in numbers and fears more lurking out of sight. When the figure gets within earshot of the Guardians, they loudly declare that they are a representative of the threat and are here to offer their immediate surrender. Silence passes over everyone assembled, the Guardians taken back by this declaration. Many are overjoyed at the news, grateful that a lifetime of conflict is at an end, but others believe it's too good to be true. So let's let's roll. Let's roll. That is a five. It was almost a one, but it was a five. Oh, all right. So on a success, uh, the Guardians study the figure for a moment as they weigh their options. It doesn't take much for them to see through the threat's lies and send the representative away immediately arming themselves for battle as the figure disappears from view. As they march towards the sanctuary's entrance, they are met by the threat, ready for a fight. The guardians raise their weapons and charge into battle. Victory is swift and casualties are few. So what was the key to the guardian's success? And how do those who nearly fell for the deception feel once the true plot was revealed? I think it was you had mentioned those modifications to the actual like space itself mm-hmm. and the sanctuary itself. And I think that it is the the fight itself is the ultimate representation of like having the hometown advantage. Mm. One of the things that we described in the last episode was like there being a tool or there being like a function where you could collapse part of the you could just collapse part of the of the canyon as a like defense mechanism. And I think it's a lot of stuff like that, like nothing quite that extreme, like they don't have to be quite yet. But like it is like once they are once they once they realize the deception, they're, they are very easy, capable of being like, all right, we roll out the defenses. We roll out the uh, we roll out the uh, the the weapons that we have built into the canyon itself. You are not just fighting us. You are not just fighting us. You are fighting us on our like on our home mm-hmm. base. And we are. Un, and like we are ready for this fight yeah like, this like is, you're you're not creeping in while we're like at bath time like this is us meeting you ready for a fight yeah uh and i think that like that is and i think that there's also like that also and maybe this is how certain people feel about the deception that is a success but there's also a very strong backfire to that 
or a very strong cost to that. Which is now it's unmistakable that this is a base where here where the greatest heroes on Earth and and in the cosmos have been meeting and you know hanging mm. out for some time and they have built this into like an underground fortress. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's no longer like oh we suspect that they're here. It's oh no they're here. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before anyone other than the power hung like it might not just be the power hungry next time that show up. Yeah. 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 Oh, into it. Into let's let's go okay. for the social space next, because I do okay. want to save that reactor for last. But also, before we do that, I do have a pitch. I mm-hmm. do want, I do got to throw out this pitch, because I think this is a good opportunity to, 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 to make this uh, explicit. Okay. The Power Hungry sent, uh, sent along a pawn to immediately surrender so that they could draw the heroes out and ambush them. Ooh. Was that pawn, uh, like, was that pawn a robot that was built to draw them out with the with the idea that it was a human looking robot that then the, the heroes kind of took in and our professor made a our professor like befriended and made and made the guardian of this place. Ooh, that is very interesting. Because I'm just thinking, like, we haven't explicitly talked about where the 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 sentinel from our last episode comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. All right. So in our in our central space, so we have an eight. Okay. Um, arguing can be heard as a confrontation between two guardians becomes heated. One of them appears to be attempting to talk the other down as they become more and more aggressive. The aggressor is shouting for all that can hear that the guardians have been lied to, that the sanctuary is not as it seems, and the threat has a right to try and claim it for themselves. There is something in their eyes that no one has seen before. The influence of the threat. This dissonance amongst the Guardians cannot be allowed to continue. They need to be reminded of what is right and cleansed of the threat's ill influence. So we roll. Uh, That is a six. That is a success. All right. Um, A small group of guardians leads the aggressor away to a quiet place, ignoring their shouts and struggling to get away. Through patience and power of the sanctuary, the threat's influence is able to be cleared from their mind as they return to their senses. The guardian remembers little of their time under the influence of the threat, but reveals something that will be helpful in future battles. Though they understand that what they did was not of their own volition, they still insist they atone for what they have done. So how did the threat manage to infiltrate their mind? What do they remember of their time under the influence? And what do they do to ease their guilt? Now, see, this feels this is one of those moments where, like, doing this as a prequel feels good. Mm. This feels great because, like, we never said what the professor did to just fuck off into the walls and never be seen again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this is. What did they do to ease their guilt? They yeah, they were they were the, the they were the science hero. They were the they were the engineer of what made this space like perfect. They they oh. were the 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 engineer of the heart of this thing. And then one day they left behind their greatest creation mm-hmm. that was this robot. Which actually, I don't even know if I want the robot to necessarily. I might scrap exactly what I just pitched you. We can sit on it, but like I'm I'm moving away from it specifically because I like the idea that. This professor built this robot to watch over the space, mm-hmm. fell under the influence of the threat, whatever that looks like, 
and then went like, I can no longer be trusted in this place. I have to disappear. Yeah. Oh, so you had mentioned with our previous one, like when the threat sends something, the power hungry, like sent this representative to try to like trick them. And like, what if it was a robot? Like, what if the professor saw this robot that the power hungry had sent and was like, what if I can make something like that? Oh, what if I could make some, what if I could make something better? And then like, cause here's, what's great about that. Here's what's, here's what rules based on like who we've described the threat as what that implies. And what that implies as it relates to the professor is that like, maybe their influence is not, explicit like it's not a magical force right like it's not a they weren't they didn't mind control them they played on the fact that this that this science hero was a world-renowned scientist Mm. they they appealed to tony stark's worst impulses and said hey it'd be pretty cool if you built like a giant weapon mech suit and he yeah. went, oh, no, it'd be pretty cool if I... So it was literally just like... It'd be pretty cool like, if you bought a, built a robot that ran off of the power reactor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was, it'd be pretty cool if you used this power reactor to, like, build weapons instead of just letting it power your little hangout space. And so it's the infection, the infectious power of the threat of the power hungry is just, like, it's just hubris. It's just... The infectious idea that something can be made out like that that you can that you can be the 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 person to to change the world. Mm. You just yeah. need the power. You just need the power source to do it. Yeah, and then he's just like, yeah, no, like I deserve to use this power. I'm the greatest scientific mind in the world, but I and I'm one of the good guys, so like I can use this power. For my own devices, because I'm doing good. And, like, this idea that, like, this idea that, like, um, like, what I, what I like here, this, like, this dissonance among the Guardians, and, like, this idea of, like, they feel they have to atone. What if the Guardians don't find out about this until, like, a good chunk of the Sanctuary has been outfitted with extra, like, new weapons that are drawing power off of this reactor and are, like, dangerous in a way that is, frankly, terrifying? But the professor's already gone. Well, they, well, it's. I think that the argument is them real is basically the 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 Justice League Tower of Babel. Like Batman, did you make a file of all of our weaknesses? Like, it's <laughs> Professor, did you turn our base into like a cosmic laser weapon? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't see what the problem is. That was fine. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, I'm just trying to keep us safe. <laughs> that's the argument, and then like that's when it's like. The, they they eventually like come to an agreement, but the professor's like, I can't continue to like I can't. Megan, here's what's incredible. Lay it on me. The professor didn't leave. No. Like you'd think if you were overwhelmed with the guilt, and like it had been pointed out to you, like it had been pointed out to you, like you have turned this into a weapon. You have fallen for the same kind of like hubris. And like hunger you are no for power better than our enemies, right? You have like you'd think that when when trying to atone for that, like you would leave and not specifically hide yourself in the walls of the place that you've turned into a weapon. But and then but then here's this, which is my my immediately went to it's like 
he prob like he would set it up because any reasonable normal person would be like, I need to distance myself from this because I did something bad. So I will now leave. But he doesn't the professor doesn't think they did anything bad. Right. It's so just- they're like, I'm gonna stay here because I'm the only one who knows how any of this works but they can't know that I'm still here. Yeah, that's so really, really good. This idea of, like, I... And, like, the idea that they've been, like, the implication that they may have been working on all of this in secret of, like, I've retreated myself into the into the walls and maybe I'm still working on this, but, like, I'm doing, I'm doing it for the good of my friends is, like, fascinating. Mm. What a good character. This is great. This is great. I'm loving this. Like, this is a very complicated superhero team. Uh, And also it means that, like, eventually we know that, like, they will emerge from the walls, grant their robot freedom and say, like, I am here now to take over, like, watching this place. I will be the lone sentinel. Mm -hmm. And knowing that they've done this with the knowledge that they have created, that they have created a weapon is fascinating. Yeah. All right. We're in the reactor now. All right. Last last confrontation. And oh, well, okay. Um this is the ace of diamonds. Um Oh no. <laughs> uh at midday an alarm is raised as a fire breaks out, uh spreading faster than anyone could have imagined. The flames engulf everything they touch, spreading throughout the sanctuary and filling the area with smoke and ash. Guardians from all over descend upon the fire in a rush to put it out, working together to douse the flames, knowing that if they are not extinguished quickly, irreparable damage could be done. Well, (laughs) thanks, cards. (laughs) Thanks, cards. Holy shit. The reactor's been lit on fire. Oh, all right. Let's... Oh, and it lit on fire because it's been fucked with and half the base has been turned into a weapon. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh. All right. Well, let's... All right. We're rolling we a dice here. That is a three. It is a success. Whew. All right. By working together, the flames are put out before anything is damaged beyond repair. Smoke and ash fills the air as multiple patrols sweep the area to assess the damage done. As they sift through the ashes, the source of the fire is found. What is it? What will be done to ensure the threat doesn't try this method of attack again? Stock is taken of what has been destroyed and what needs to be rebuilt, and though the damage is bad, it could have been much worse. How will what has been lost be rebuilt? Um, I'm gonna go so bold as to say, like, the reactor itself has been damaged. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. Like, they say, they, they, it was a, it was a, if we can't have this... No one, like we, like no one can, and also mm-hmm. we're going to like trigger the reaction to blow this up and and trigger the apocalypse. Yep, I like that a lot. That yeah, like as soon as the power hungry knew that it was there, they're like, well, if you won't share this power with everybody, uh, you'll share it with everybody in a bad way. Yeah, 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 yeah. By destroying the world, if we can't have it. No one can. Oh. So what, 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 like, and, and I think that, like, what is done to ensure the threat doesn't try this method again is, like, in part they can't because they can't mm-hmm. blow up the thing. But I think the major thing is that 
well, they know that this is our base, and if they got into the reactor room, then they know that there's a planet cracker bomb in here. Right. Is this what causes the heroes to leave the to largely leave this sanctuary behind? Maybe. Yeah, like may like they had to maybe they had to do kind of like a like make a big show of it type of thing. Where it's like, nope, like we're all leaving. Yeah. And we're we're gonna destroy this place and make it so nobody else can get in here. But not we're, everybody leaves. And we're we're leaving this we're leaving this this robot sentinel here to watch over it because there's a lot of dangerous stuff here, but you know, they they picked this place because no one was coming here and because no one knew they was they were they would be here and now suddenly in very short order mm-hmm. everybody knows that they were that they were hanging out here and also oh god, we almost caused the we almost caused an apocalypse level event. Like it is no longer safe for this to be our our hangout spot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or it could come down to it's like we either all have to leave or we're going to wipe the power hungry out so that they'll stop coming. Or do oh. some Yeah. Oh, but that's like here okay, but hearing you say that like I'm going to I I can't believe I get to Jeff Stormer this right now like <gasps> what if it's both? Like what if it is very specifically a schism among the group of like there is a segment of the team and like it's kind of what causes the the dissolution of this great superhero team is like there was a section of the group that's like, all right, then we go be we go we go destroy them so that they don't do this to anybody else ever. And then there's the part that are like, no, we just like we should just accept that it was wrong for us to gather in this place and like move on with our lives. And like that schism of like, do we effectively kill this group? Mm hmm. Like, that's the kind of thing that dissolves superhero teams. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> and yeah. I, th- I think the detail that, like, sticks in my head is that means that, like, even if our robot sentinel didn't realize it, maybe they did, uh, they probably, like, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but, like, the idea that, that heroes may have from time to time before, like, in the time between our, our Sanctuary game and our Sentinel game, which was, like, long after the last heroes had, like, passed away from old age, is, like, heroes probably stopped by here in, like, small numbers. There was probably never another, like, big gathering mm-hmm. or, like, heroic or, like, big soiree, but, like, you probably still had heroes coming by the the hot springs, just, like, that segment of just, like, because not everybody agreed to leave this space behind. Yeah. That's good shit. That's good shit. <laughs> That's good shit. <sighs> All right. Well, now it's time to go into our last stand. All right. So roll your D6 and we will see what happens. There's a one. We've been we've been we've been yeah. we've been rolling hot. We've been rolling hot. And it finally caught up to us. <laughs> All right. Uh, the battle wages on for days with no side taking a clear lead over the other. It's nearly a week of relentless fighting before both sides have fallen. The sanctuary ground strewn with the bodies of guardians and threat alike. There is a moment of stillness before a lone figure rises to their feet amongst the carnage. One of the threat has survived. They begin to stagger through the sanctuary, searching for their prize, claiming the sanctuary's power for themselves. 
As they stand in front of the source of power, something in them shifts and they cannot bring themselves to take it. Why not? What has caused this change? As they walk away from what they nearly gave their life to claim, what all of their comrades gave their lives to claim, they make a vow to stand where the guardians fell and protect the sanctuary. The sanctuary rewards them, rewards their decision by instilling some of its power in them. How does that manifest? And how will the new guardians' previous allegiance to the threat help them face new threats that may come to the sanctuary? Holy shit, that's the sentinel. That... So this is my favorite ending. This is a good but, ending. But this being the ending that shows up for this game is wild. It's very, very... Okay. This is very, very wild. This I've got, like, there's so much to take in here. I, I'm like, I'm like giddy. I'm like, this is I'm like, ooh, okay. Because, so, so... So a member of the Power Hungry becomes the robot guard, like... I and I think I I think I've got an idea for how that happens, especially since we've already established over the course of this game that like the robot guardian was also something the professor had built to kind mm-hmm. of stand watch. I love that there's this huge final battle, uh, and it's it it gets to the it gets to the remains of the reactor room where there's the planet cracker bomb. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, uh, gotta be Blade Runner, right? It's the character that oh. we introduced. Yes. They're just zipping, zipping through the caves. Uh, they get to the, the the planet cracker bomb just before like the the room collapses, and I think that what happens is like we see this robot that maybe hasn't been activated yet. Like maybe like this, maybe we just it's like the robotic shell, and being that being that Blade Runner is is themselves like a cyborg. Mm-hmm. They upload their consciousness into this robot that has been keyed into the living, to the giant weapon, weapon complex that is the rest of this base. Because they, because they look around for a moment and they're like, oh, we were just trying to steal a thing. But if somebody wanted to, they could obliterate the entire planet. Yeah. Like they could end all life. Somebody's got to make sure that that doesn't happen. And now I'm the only one here. I'm the only one left. And they, but they're, but I'm going to throw out the detail that they're also hurt. And like, this is also like a, uh, this is, this is the way that I'm going to be able to do this and not die in like yeah. 10 minutes. Yes. I, I like that as, as like a combo of this is how I'm going to stay alive, but also I need to stay alive because I need to make sure that nobody takes this power. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then they wake up the, the Sentinel wakes up. They look around, they, 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 they are keyed into the systems of the, of the base, as we described in the last mm-hmm. episode. And as we know now, the base is a giant, like, is, a, is, is the, the, the partially running remains of a giant quantum reactor, like, laser cannon. <laughs> they are keyed into all of this, and they spend their time watching until such a time when the professor, the person that ostensibly built them, and certainly built the base that is uh an extension of their being tells them to go out and see the world because it's their turn to watch over their creation that's so good fuck this game rules (laughs) damn oh that was so good and listeners if you want to hear the rest of the story you can go back to episode 274 and listen to our game of sentinel and see how their story plays out
And otherwise, that is game. Wow. Damn. That was so good. That kicked ass. That was amazing. That was a hell of a game. Uh, Sanctuary rules. This game is is so, so (laughs) cool. I love the map making and I love the, the, I love like, play. there's so much about the game from like a design standpoint that I love. Then the will of the way that it like clicks into to Sentinel and like you were saying the way that like yeah theoretically like the idea of us playing we you know flowing right into a Sentinel game but playing them the other way is also fantastic. Mm. Oh. This is delightful. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I loved playing it. I truly truly love this game, and I'm so excited to share it with as many people as possible because I really love it i'm thrilled i'm i'm thrilled um well thank you again for playing this with me i had the absolute best time me too oh that was there's nothing beats playing a game with someone you're both just completely on your bullshit yeah 100 percent. Like, there's the that's that uh, uh, uh my my philosophy in 2023 is uh to continue the philosophy that i had at least in the back half of 2022 which is you can't get back on your bullshit if you never get off of it and I yes. feel like that's the energy that we brought to this episode, and I'm so happy with it. Uh, thank you again for playing this with me. Real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and Sanctuary Online? Yeah, so I have been Megan. I will continue to be Megan, I guess. Um, you can find me any place you can find a person on the internet at Megan Lynn FTW. You can also find my moderately ignored game design account on Twitter at Siren Song Games. I am trying to be much better about posting from there. So that's my design specific account. Um, you can find all of my games on meganlynftw.itch.io. You could also find physical copies of my game One Particular Harbor on Indie Press Revolution. And if you enjoyed listening to us play Sanctuary, um, the Kickstarter for the Sanctuary and Sentinel Zine is currently running right now on Kickstarter. Uh, The links will be all over my Twitter. Um, I will never stop talking about it. I will also get the link to Jeff to put in the description. So if you want to make a sanctuary for yourself, going back the zine, I am super, super excited uh, for the potential to get both of these games beautifully laid out and into a physical copy to share with everybody. So sick. This game rules. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Uh, Thank you again for playing this with me. I had just the absolute best time. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Megan for coming on to the show. That game was incredible. I was blown away by how much I love that game. It's the perfect complement to the game of Sentinel we played. Um, I had such a great time listening to it. I'm really, really happy. Uh, I'm thrilled. Be sure to head to the show notes to check out the Kickstarter for Sanctuary and Sentinel. Like I said, the game is fully funded. It is raising money for stretch goals, including an audiobook by dear friend of the show, Aaron Catano Saez. Go back the Kickstarter, make it a reality. And be sure to follow Megan on Twitter at MeganLynnFTW. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. Find us on Tumblr at Party of One Pod, TikTok at Party of One Podcast. Uh, sign up for our mailing list at buttondown.email slash Party of One Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, consider backing us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Jeff Stormer or Kofi.com slash Jeff Stormer. Uh, you can head to our merch store at bit.ly slash party of one merch, or you can join our discord at bit.ly slash party of one discord. And on top of all those things, you can give us a nice iTunes review, tell a friend about the show, recommend us on social media. There's all sorts of ways to support the show. 
If after doing all of those things, you think to yourself, God, I wish I had two more great podcasts to listen to. Boy, do I got you, fam. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast in which every week my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt and spin it into an original fantasy character, populating a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every week-ish, wherever you get your podcasts. And Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast is an actual play podcast about a heartless witch, a cozy house, and the many people making their homes inside. You can find the entire series at tinyurl.com slash podcast. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. Music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming on the show as guest, or press coverage about the show, email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm pretty sure that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.